discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Roundtable. Coming to you from Beijing, I'm your host Huang Shen, stepping in for He Yang. Good to have you along. The bride price is an age-old tradition in China, which refers to the money the groom and his family offers to the parents of the bride before marriage, as a goodwill gesture between the couple and their two families. However, over the years, the bride price and the betrothal gifts has risen from a token amount to exorbitant levels, becoming an obstacle for many young men in China, especially those from rural areas. Recently, China unveiled its key policy document for 2023, vowing to launch a special campaign against this problem. What are the highlights of the campaign, and why is it necessary to curb the trend of a rising bride price? And after working for five years, there's only 5,000 yuan or some 720 U.S. dollars saved in a bank account. Is this good enough for a top-notch university graduate? This is a true story shared by two young women in Wuhan City, Hubei Province, who have led a life far from the universal definition of success. A video which features their heartfelt chat about the real meaning of life has brought in the gift of positivity. What's the charm of this video that has struck a chord with millions of Chinese netizens? And why do we all need some anti-hero moments to celebrate our invisible power? For today's program, I'm joined by Li Yi and Ding Hong in the studio. First, on today's show, issues surrounding bride prices and getting married have annoyed young people and their families in China's rural areas, often sparking debate on Chinese social media. On February the 13th, China unveiled its key policy document, or number one central document for 2023, vowing to launch a special campaign against problems including exorbitant bride prices and extravagant wedding ceremonies. Before we dive into the details of this campaign, to better understand the scale of the issue, Li Yi, can you walk us through the definition of bride prices and how betrothal gifts are used? Mm, I think you have already touched upon a few definition about bride price. It's basically you know money, property, or other forms of wealth or gifts paid by a groom or the groom's family to the women or the family of the women that the man will be married to. And、uh, in I think in traditional Chinese culture and also in modern culture, it's usually considered as a gesture of a goodwill and commitment from the groom. And、uh, usually, the money is frequently used by the newlyweds to help establish their new households. And、uh, I think nowadays, it's more like a social norm or a tradition that is widely practiced in China and also other countries in other parts of the world. But if we are going to talk about the situation here in China, I learned that you know the bride price is actually one of the traditional marriage customs in China, and、uh, it. Originated from the ancient Na Zheng Li, which is ritual of paying tribute, and、uh, basically after the two young people they have their engagement, the bridegroom to be would send betrothal gifts or a bride price to his fiancee's family as part of an important ceremony, and usually you know in ancient time in the return the woman would also give back the food or other gifts. Or send some other like clothes or other presents、uh, instead, and also on the wedding day, the bride would also take a dowry to the bridegroom's home. So basically, in ancient culture, bride price is basically are、uh, for showing the husband's like wealth and social status, and to show that okay, if the young lady married to this young man, and、uh, they could just live like a prosperous life. And also happy ever after, and also as a symbol of their future status, and somehow also as a form of compensation. Because in the traditional、uh, ancient agricultural society, somehow women they were in less advantaged position, and、uh, so after marriage, they would also like take care of the whole family and also give birth to their children. So somehow the bride price was. In the form of compensation, but I guess in modern time there could be so much different understanding in terms of how we interpret the meaning of bride price. Yeah, of course. And over the past decade, the bride price has doubled、mm-hmm. or even tripled in some Chinese provinces.、Uh, this has pushed 
marriage financially out of reach for some people whose families have some issues in this regard, especially for rural bachelors from low-income families. And I think with the development of the society as well as the economy, when we are talking about bride prices or betrothal gifts, so the format has been expanded. Maybe in the past, this term. Refers to cash only. You only need to give out cash. But now I think many families are asking or offering other kinds of presents, such like a house,、mm-hmm. a car, or、mm-hmm. it's up to you based on your imagination. So Ding Hong, what's your understanding of bright price and in your hometown or you know around <laughs>、yeah. your friend circle? Do you still follow this tradition? Yeah, I think、uh, my observation, and of course based on my personal experiences, yeah, most of the Chinese families and households nowadays still adhere to this particular tradition we are talking about today. Now, in the context of my hometown, a a small,、uh, like a forced tier city in Zhejiang Province, East China. Um, it's more like um, uh, the groom's family gives certain amount of cash to the bride's family as a gift. Then, as a kind of a de facto practice that everybody will adhere to, more often than not, the bride's family will return the majority or like seventy percent, somewhere between seventy and eighty percent of this cash. Back to the、uh, groom's family, so that both sides, particularly the the groom's family, will not end up bearing a very huge financial burden for the sake of a a marriage. So that's my personal observation. And what I have、uh, kept hearing from my parents' generation, or even the generation earlier than my parents' generation, I think. Like in the nineteen、uh, seventy, late nineteen seventies, nineteen eighties, Chinese families treated a bike, a watch,、mm. or even a sewing machine as a very precious wedding gifts. In the nineteen eighties, maybe a refrigerator,、uh, a color TV set,、yes. and a washing machine. Those are fancy items at the time, right? Even these items would、uh, often make a wife to be very, very happy and satisfied. But nowadays. Um. Yeah. Partially because of the economic development and the prosperity of our material level of life, it's really much harder to impress the bride side of the family. That's very unfortunate, but that's the reality. Yes, I would say,、uh, in the past decades, thanks to、um, the rapid economic growth in the country, it has sharply raised parental expectations. Maybe. Maybe for parents, they would like to have more、uh, to be prepared for their kids. And sometimes, in some provinces, in some、um, rural areas, the groom's family is expected to provide a car or a new apartment or a new house, even as a form of bride price. So, if you are only able to provide a TV set or a fridge, maybe these are not good enough. That's the reason why we are talking about the issues behind the rising or skyrocketing. Bride's price today, because many cities and provinces across the country, they have actively related to the key policy document, as I mentioned earlier, and intensified their efforts in bringing in sky-high bride prices, as the custom has increasingly burdened families, especially those in rural areas. Here's an example. For example, in northwest China's Gansu Province,、uh, there's a place called Dingxi. Um, it is introducing a price cap in 2022. According to some other reports, 70% of married couples in Dingxi have so far received less than 50,000 yuan as bride price,、uh, showing a decrease of 10.9% from before.、Uh, similar approaches have been adopted or seen elsewhere in China, like Jiangxi Province.、Um, so, do you have any examples with regard to? What has been done by authorities to tackle the issue? Sure, I think、uh, as you said, Hongshan, Jiangxi Province. Actually, while we are really mentioning this province specifically, 
Well, we try to avoid generalization. However, in reality, Jiangxi Province has actually long been known for excessive bride prices. And you know, I learned that according to a local official from Shangrao City in Jiangxi, in some urban areas, the bride price is is usually in the range of. One hundred thousand to one hundred fifty thousand yuan. While in some rural areas, the price is even higher. For example, pieces of like one hundred eighty-eight thousand and two hundred eighty thousand yuan are common in those less economically developed areas. So you could tell that for those people, especially for those average wage earners in those regions, that could be a huge burden. So that's why you know the local authorities in Jiangxi Province are also like stepping up their campaigns or measures to address the custom. For example, on September the twenty eighth, twenty twenty two. Guangchang County in East China's Jiangxi Province held a group wedding during which ten couples they actually received zero bride price. So local authorities basically, I think, used this occasion to promote、uh, a new kind of newlywed fashion and to try to raise public awareness in terms of what is the most important thing in terms of marriage and definitely. The bride price is not the most important thing, and also we can see similar approaches being adopted in Hejian City in North China's Hebei Province. So these are all the specific measures being taken, either in the country level or in the province or county level. However, there still remains like discussion about like whether these measures could really take effect in terms of like leading or encouraging people demanding less bride price in reality. Yeah, yeah. Now yeah. we are seeing provinces and local governments are stepping up their efforts,、mm-hmm. and the government is also getting involved. So now we are seeing the surging bride prices give rise to a series of problems. You name it, as discouraging marriage, declining birth rate, and rapidly aging society. So Ding Hong, in your opinion, what are some social problems caused by this trend? And at this point. What do you think? Why it is important for the government to intervene? Yeah, so I, I guess the rationale of the government is that yeah, like like all both of you have suggested, it is really、uh, giving rise to a series of、um, social problems. One particular problem is, of course, like you mentioned earlier,、uh, this lower desire on the part of today's、uh, younger generation people to enter into marriage. Because、uh, here we have some specific data. According to the China Statistics Yearbook 2022, the number of getting married for the first time, the number of people get, who who get married for the first time, dropped to 11.6 million last year, almost、uh, 700,000 down compared to the previous year's level. And this was well done on a peak of 23.9 million back in 2013, basically a decade ago. So, basically, I think many economists or sociologists have cited the increasing costs of marrying and raising a family as really the primary reason for for these young people, or even some of middle-aged people as well, I guess, to remain unmarried. And of course, a subsequent problem is that this lower birth rate and a rapidly aging society. Basically, China's national Birth rate fell to a record low of 6.77 births for every 1,000 people in 2020. That's down from、um, 7.52 back in 2021, really marking the lowest rate since records began. As、uh, basically since the foundation of the People's Republic of China in, back in 1949. And of course, there are many unwanted problems which can create really shocking or surprising perceptions for the general public. For example, an extreme case which occurred in the central Chinese province of Henan back in 2017 involves a newly married couple. Basically. This guy killing his new wife on their wedding night. The tragedy was really directly caused by a quarrel regarding a 110 yuan bride price, which really placed this guy's family in serious financial burden. 
And back in 2018, a 20-year-old man in in the eastern Chinese province of Anhui attempted suicide because he simply cannot afford the 300,000 yuan bride、mm. price that his girlfriend's family had been asking for. So. These are very, very social level conflict that has been generated because of this、um, problem. Of course, and these are definitely the unwanted problems in the society, and that's the reason why, like, people are calling for a more reasonable amount of bride price if you still want to follow this tradition, because this tradition has been there for thousands of years.、Um, if we go back to the amount. For bride prices,、uh, here I got some figures from Global Times.、Uh, it reports that in a non-official nationwide bride price ranking back in 2022, East China's Jiangxi Province topped the list with an average of 380,000 yuan, not including a car or an apartment,、wow. which is really high for、yeah. ordinary wage earners. Another example is that in the beginning of the year of 2023, a young man's wedding turned sour in central China's Hubei Province because the original betrothal gift of 150,000 yuan he had and his bride had agreed upon was suddenly raised to 200,000 yuan by the bride-to-be's family. Right? Well, I would say there are so many factors that. Have driven up bride prices. It's very hard to pinpoint a single one. I mean, the single driving force behind the swelling cost. So, do they vary from one place to another? Because apparently, there's a non-official list. And is this only a situation applied to rural areas or for people, the newlyweds in urban areas? They are still facing this problem, or they are still following this tradition? How widespread is this? Tradition. Well, I think in reality, from my personal observation, I think the issue of bride price could really vary widely from region to region. I mean, either between urban or rural areas, or like between different cities or different regions in China, and also like local culture and also family value on the bride price could also play a role in terms of how people would charge、uh, in that issue. But you know, from my personal experience, because the city that I'm from, and also your、yeah. uh, your home city, Huangshan, <laughs> I think we don't really have a very like obvious tradition of like having bride price. But I do understand why some brides or like their the family of the lady would just want. Have a bride price. It's just like a lot of people would just value the bride price as a kind of a safety net for the women, especially for those women in less developed regions where we are talking about rural areas, because they think marriage could be so different from romance, and they think there are so many things to be considered when you want to enter marriage, and they feel like with like a sum of money in hand. And、uh, even if their marriage could fail someday, still they can just start over with that sum of money. But that's just one of the major reasons that people want bride price. But you know, I'm quite neutral on this issue、mm-hmm. and also on the policy.、Uh, either it's encouragement or disencouragement. But I see a huge problem in the current society is that, especially when it comes to the engagement or marriage between a young couple. I think a lot of times the families of the two people are like greatly involved in the whole thing, either from like engagement or the wedding ceremony or like the bride price or like the dowry. You know everything related to bonding a new tie or starting a new small family. I think somehow. The families of the two people should not really get too involved, and they should really let the newlywed or the new couple to decide whether they want to have a bride price or they just want to have like a casual tradition, and they don't really want to stick to the old tradition. I think it's really the issue of the new couple, but I think in reality. Unfortunately, in most cases, I would say some families or family members are greatly involved in the issue. Hmm. Yeah. So I think my understanding is basically, in order to address this particular social issue we're talking about today,、um, I think fundamentally the solution lies in the promotion of gender equality. 
I think uh, many people would agree with me in this particular regard because、um, really, I mean, fundamentally, when we talk about this issue, I think the fundamental mindset or the mentality behind this phenomenon is that families or the older generation tend to see a daughter or a girl in a family as the the inferior part of this family, like.、Uh, We take money and we sell the daughter to another family by marrying her off. That's a very problematic mindset, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, I think、uh, that's the fundamental issue here. So, really, I think、uh, it's about promotion of gender equality, because in a modern society, more often than not, marrying off a daughter doesn't necessarily mean the daughter will leave your family.、Mm-hmm. You know, in the case of my marriage. After getting married, I spend more time with my parents-in-law, with my my wife's parents, <laughs> because we live in the same city. By comparison, me and my my own parents actually live in different regions of China. So actually, in my case, it's not about. I pay money to buy my wife, right?、Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah I, yeah, I think many people are strongly against this term or this tradition is because we don't want to see women be objectified,、mm-hmm. and this could be a long-lasting tradition. But we want to give it a modern twist.、Uh, the society is developing, and、uh, here we have the reality that、uh, China is home to a surplus of an estimated. Thirty million men. So we are seeing the substantial demographic imbalance, which means the scarcity of women may bring the opportunity, but the challenge as well, which means for single men, especially in rural areas, it's very hard for them to find a possible suit. It may be very hard for them to find a wife. In this way, I think this is part of the reasons that has driven up the right price. But there are so many reasons may contribute to this trend. You know,、uh, social issues such as the comparison psychology or the protection of women's interests after marriage, gender equality, and marriage values. These are the things that have affected the bride price. And I think in many urban areas, we are seeing a new approach, a more sustainable approach of bride price. Just using my、uh, best friend as an example, I think she received a certain amount of bride price, which is around maybe a hundred thousand.、Mm-hmm. But I would say their families, the the families of both the bride and groom, are quite equal. Which、mm-hmm. means after the bride received this amount of、uh, bride price,、uh, the bride's family also gave back to the groom's family. Uh, in the form of a car, which、mm. is of a similar value, so this has become a very new interpretation of bride price.、Um, so we are seeing the changes, and here I have a question because we are talking about the surging, skyrocketing bride prices. To what extent, or when, do you think will people get fed up with such skyrocketing prices?、Mm, I think that's very. <laughs> That's a very difficult question to answer because I think it really depends on individual situation and also individual preference, and also it's very much related to how people like value, you know, either bride price or dowry. And、uh, of course, I think if we have to choose to, you know, pay certain. Amount of bride price. Of course, you have to consider the real、uh, economic situation of the both families. However, in reality, we are seeing like a change of mindset and mentality in terms of how people understand bride price. But still, I think we really need to consider one question because I mean, can love be valued by money? Because sometimes in reality, people really take bride price、um, as like a symbol of how. Uh, devoted the groom is in this relationship. I mean, this whether the man is diving to like to marry this girl. However, I think、uh, if we are going to talk about、uh, security in marriage, I think it's better to identify a proper partner than you know asking for a sum of money to show your love. Yeah. As this is a very personal and deep-rooted tradition, there is still a long way to go before society can rid itself of the bride price custom. But what's for sure is that you cannot put a price on a bride. 
Marriage is not a business. Treating bride prices as a bargaining chip has twisted its original purpose as well as its symbolic meaning. It's roundtable with myself, Hong Shan, Ding Hong, and Li Yi. Stick around, everybody. We'll be back after the break. Discussion keeps the world turning. This is roundtable. You're listening to Roundtable with me, Huang Shen, joined by Ding Hong and Li Yi. Coming up, the not-so-successful stories of two graduates from a famous university have touched the hearts of millions on Chinese social media. Despite being down at heel financially, the young women said losing their ability to dream would be the worst thing of all. What's your definition of success, and why is it okay to be ordinary in an extraordinary world? What's more, schools and universities in China will have special positions for sports coaches to teach students. What are the reasons behind this move, and what's the purpose of introducing this job post? You can share with us your thoughts by rating and reviewing the show at Roundtable China on Apple Podcast, and our email address is ezfmroundtable@foxmail.com. That's where you can send us voice questions to take part in the weekly heart-to-heart segment. Now on Roundtable. Two graduates from Central China Normal University in Wuhan, Hubei Province, uploaded a 17-minute video on video sharing platform Bilibili in 2022 about their lives over the past five years after graduation. Recently, the video clip went viral, garnering more than 5.5 million views. Clips of the video have trended on other video platforms as well. Why has their story resonated with so many people?、Um, Lee, can you tell us more about this video? Why is it so touching and influential?、Mm, actually, I watched the whole video that these two girls. Actually, they are two graduates from Central China Normal University in Wuhan, Hubei Province, which is top university in China. And during the video, they basically share. Like what their lives were over the past five years after their graduation, and there were basically two girls. One is named Wan Wan, and、uh, she said she worked a dozen jobs since graduating five years ago, and now she only has five thousand yuan in her bank account. Actually, you know, after graduation, she worked at a very famous internet company for about like half a year. However, she finds that in the technology sector, the endless overtime. Time somehow has led to health problems, and also she also experienced a relationship breakup, and so she just decided to quit working last year, and she started to prepare for the national postgraduate entrance exam. However, she did not really perform well in the exam, so now she only has like five thousand yuan in her pocket. And then there's another girl named Chao Chao, and、uh, she actually got a master's degree in script writing from、uh, Communication University of China, and she tried to find a job in the film industry. However, it was quite difficult. And、uh, last year, she started to learn painting as she tried to find a new path for herself. However, she still find that that is a very difficult path, and somehow she tried to find a work. As a part-time job, as a cleaner at a hot pot restaurant to really support herself, but then the girl also quit quitted the job because she could not really get used to the work schedule. So basically, this is the thing that the two girls shared in the videos, and somehow their struggles and somehow the detours、mm. uh, make a lot of people, especially ordinary people, resonate with them. Yeah. So Ding Hong, have you watched the video? In what way it has spoken to you? If you have watched it. Yeah, unfortunately, I have not、uh, personally watched this video, but I really can't imagine、uh, what they have been trying to convey to the viewers and audiences. Yeah, I think、uh, what's really interesting and、uh, to some degree touching about these two young ladies is that. Despite their telling of their unfortunate experiences and a lot of uh, so-called uh, you know losses and failures、mm-hmm. after they graduated from a prestigious university, they are still moving on. They are still、uh, seeing the end of the tunnel is approaching. They still remain optimistic about their life, and that's 
a really valuable spirit in today's、uh, society at a time when you know many many people, not only young people but also people from other age cohorts as well. Are experiencing this kind of、uh, you know work burnout or、mm. other kind of、uh, exercise burnout, so yeah, very inspiring and、um, optimism. Yeah, that's that's a very very precious and limited resources in today's society. I would argue. I think the special thing about、uh, you know these two girls are like. I think they are brave enough to share their "quote unquote" failures or unsuccessful trials, because usually, especially you know, these two girls, they actually graduate from top university in China, and usually, in tradition, people would think, "Oh, you are like graduates from a top university, then you should like you know behave like those、uh, what movies or dramas like you." You should have a successful career after graduation because、mm. you are already. Above average. However, the two girls are really telling their real stories about their struggles and especially daily life struggles, both in private life and also in careers. I think that's very precious, especially when you consider we have seen a lot of you know different versions of stories. I mean, presentation on social medias, and usually people will just share the good side of the story, and I mean the good. Side of their life, and that somehow could trigger anxiety among the public.、Uh, especially,、uh, you see like a successful stories from your peers that could just、um, make you、uh, feel the peer pressure. However, you know, in the video, the two girls just、uh, tell their stories, and in a very calm and really up. Optimistic way, you know that somehow just to make people feel like, oh, we're all ordinary people, and we share、mm. the story, and we share all those confusion and struggles, and that's why I think people are really resonating with them. I think the reason why this video can go viral is because、um, it has touched the hearts、mm-hmm. of millions on social media. The irony here is that maybe many of the viewers they have been overwhelmed. By the things going on on social media, because I think for so many of us, we have grown up with the fear of being average. But what's wrong with being average or being ordinary?、Um, in the past, before social media, it was harder to compare yourself with others because you don't really know what's going on in another person's life. But now, well, thanks to social media, it has become a very fertile. Ground for vanity, for comparison, as well as the fear of missing out. I think we have been mentioning、uh, the term FOMO for so many times.、Mm-hmm. Um, social media and the world at large discriminate being average. So, have you ever, you know, struggled to wake up every day like for your ordinary job, going through the motions at work, and then getting jealous when seeing Instagram posts or? WeChat posts of those successful people vacationing around the world. It gives me the feeling that the world is extraordinary. But why am I so ordinary? I think this is、mm-hmm. the thing has been bothering so many people. Is that when you think the world is so amazing, but I'm just a tiny bit of it, and I'm just living a very redundant lifestyle. Sometimes it could be boring. Everything could be so depressing, but hopefully you can find some positivity in your life. That's for sure.、Uh, there's rainbows and unicorns everywhere. So when in life did you accept you were ordinary and that being ordinary isn't such a bad thing? But what's wrong with being average? That's my question, Ding Hong. Yeah, nothing is wrong. I think <laughs> you, know, you know. Yeah, I think、uh, at the end of the day, most of the people have to、uh, accept the reality that, or the fact that they are average, that they are ordinary. They are by no means extraordinary. Only the very top, like one、uh, percent of the entire population, or even. Zero zero point one percent of the entire population are really at the top of the pyramid, right? So it's nothing shameful being being average, you know. Yeah, like I, I very much resonate with、uh, one point that both of you have alluded to earlier, in that social media really plays a very negative role in terms of creating this. 
fake image or fake、mm-hmm. perception that so many people around you are successful. And, and as a matter of fact, they are not, right? I mean, when somebody one day posing a picture on WeChat or Instagram, showing he or she is enjoying. In a very relaxing manner, the the natural, beautiful scenery in the in the wilderness, maybe that's only a very short screenshot of his or her life at that particular moment. But maybe going to that, like along the journey when he or she travels to this particular beautiful scenery. They have experienced a lot of、um, traffic jam and a lot of other troubles. Maybe on on the road, he or she is having argument or quarreling with their <laughs> with their loved ones. You know, everybody have their own headache and their own problem. So <laughs> it's only that the, the the social media that have exaggerated the the successful and the bright side of、uh, a particular individual's daily life. That's all. Yeah, I think from this video, my takeaway is that I really appreciate these two girls how they have been inspired by their insecurities,、mm-hmm. and sometimes it could be the feelings of self hatred sometimes, and make peace with yourselves. I feel like these are the keywords I got from their video because now they're making money by being content creators、oh. by sharing their stories and. Well, with all kinds of media outlets are reporting on this video, you know they can take in the traffic volume, which can be、uh, capitalized and monetized into real cash. So I think this is a great example, and depends on how you define success. Because the E earlier you mentioned, these two girls graduated from a well-known and top-notch university, so many people may think. That could be a good start、mm-hmm. of a successful career in life in the future, but they chose to do something different. It brings back one question: that if success is subjective, why do we place so much emphasis on society's definitions? And what about you guys? What's your personal interpretation or definition of success? Well, I think everyone has different definition of success, and it could be quite personal. But you know, as you two mentioned, I think a lot of times on social media platforms, I think there's a quite unified standard of success that is like a lot of number in your bank account or like a secure and a profitable job with social prestige, or like you have to acquire or seek for others' respect or validation. You know, these are. Like very common standard or criteria to to determine success. However, in this video, I think the two girls basically show us a different interpretation to success. Because, you know, although in the very traditional or in the very pragmatic approach, their experience is not really successful because they. Doesn't because they don't really have a lot of money in in their bank account. They don't really have a ever promising career. However, I think during the process, they they try to pursue their dreams, try to find what they really want to do, and with like many trials, I think I see self fulfillment or self satisfaction on their faces, and I somehow I feel they are quite happy. They are not really anxious. Of course, they are anxious、uh, when they think about you know the peer pressure. However, I think they are quite determined on the path of pursuing their own、uh, personal goals or ultimate destination. And I think that's a lesson you know for all of us,、uh, especially in the modern society. And、uh, especially, I think sometimes we are too afraid of detours. Especially, you know, during the whole educational path, I think somehow we were taught to go through a very straight path. I mean, go to a very a good elementary school, and then the very good middle school, and then the top university, and then that's somehow the start、mm. of a very promising career life. However, we we get to understand that in reality, things are not really always that straight. Sometimes you have to go through like certain detours, and you have to experience different things to to ultimately get to your like final destination. And that and, and I think that's somehow quite precious for everyone. 
Yeah, to me, you know, when we talk about success or failure, I think really the first and foremost is really to put away this kind of、uh, peer pressure or this kind of let's say horizontal comparison.、Mm-hmm. It's really about comparing today's yourself with yesterday's yourself or the day before yesterday's yourself. That's probably more meaningful. For example, what's the point of Me comparing myself with Li Yi, we grew up with different family backgrounds. We have received different kind of education. What's the point of me comparing with Li Yi? It's it's totally pointless and meaningless. Yeah. So maybe by comparing myself with, for example,、uh, myself in 2021 or in 2013, in 2010, that's more meaningful. Maybe compared to to myself back then, I speak、uh, better English. I look more handsome. I I, I grow taller. <laughs> Those kind of thing. <laughs> so you know, sometimes peer pressure is the only, and really the only leading source of anxiety and fear. That's that's really unsustainable and unhealthy. Yeah. Another reason I can think of is like the influence from your parents. Maybe some kids that have been taught since childhood that you need to be special,、mm. you need to be exceptional. If you experience such pressure、uh, to be special or to be extraordinary、uh, in childhood, it may have originated from parents, caregivers, or even your grandparents, or even from your teachers. Some parents and caregivers they need their kids to be special in order to manage their own feelings of low self worth or inadequacy. Many people, the parents, they would like to impose their expectations on their kids.、Mm-hmm. They would like to see their kids help them to fulfill the dreams they failed to achieve when they were in their useful times. So I think for many of us, we have been taught that we need to lead an extraordinary lifestyle. And how does the idea of Ordinary lifestyle or ordinary life make you feel? Do you feel scared, and do you want to achieve something big, or do you think you have more to offer, or why do you think people have that insecurity of being ordinary? Well, I think as you said, sometimes family education is quite important. Some parents, as you said, they would just、uh, like impose a certain criteria on their children since they they are young. And、uh, try to you know make their children anxious about their their achievements. However, I think、uh, you know in the end, everyone is ordinary. I mean, what's the difference between ordinary and special? I mean, no one has the right, or no one is in the best position to judge or to define what is ordinary and what is、uh, special. I think everyone is unique, and as long as We all learn and grow on a daily basis. I think you are the best person on the world, and I think you are already special enough. And somehow, I think there are just so many things that are much more important than material possession, than you know certificates, than salaries. But of course, that again, that depends on personal interpretation. Yeah. But、uh, I think、uh, you know, going back to this particular story that we have mentioned today, I think、um, you know, from a societal angle, I think really this is pointing to a reality that maybe today's、um, uh, you know job market or today's、uh, employment environment is not really so friendly to the new young graduates from universities, even young graduates from top prestigious universities. Maybe that's something that our policymakers need to think about. How we as a society can continue to broaden employment channels, create a relaxed employment environment, and and really you know end up providing broader employment space for young people because、um, unemployment is a big issue for today's、uh, young college graduates. More than fifteen percent of the People aged between 18 years old and 24 years old are unemployed. So that's an issue that we, as a society, especially policymakers, need to think about and to to try to think of ways to address. Yeah, we can do our best, be ordinary, 
there's nothing wrong with that. And still, we can lead a very fulfilling and a satisfying life. On the flip side, striving for an extraordinary life at expense of enjoying the present moment can leave us feeling empty. Being special is really, really nice, but it's also awesome to be kind, uh, generous, and ambitious while enjoying the simple things in life. I hope, and、uh, for everyone who is going through the struggle, you can overcome the need of being exceptional. You're listening to Roundtable. Coming up next, China schools are ready to hire coaches to improve sports education. As an important way to integrate sports with education and promote the all-round development of students, stay tuned. Looking for passion? How about fiery debate? Want to hear about current events in China from different perspectives? Then tune in to Roundtable, where East meets West, and understanding is the goal. It's the hour of roundtable with myself, Huang Shan, Li Yi, and Ding Hong. Schools and universities in China will have special positions for sports coaches to teach students in an effort to resolve the current shortage of PE teachers and improve physical education. This is highlighted in a new guideline issued by General Administration of Sports and three other national-level departments. What's the job description for these coaches in school? As this is a very novel move, is it easy to hire talent in this regard? Hmm. I think according to the guideline, you know, those school coaches are responsible to a lot of things, including like conducting general PE training and also training students in specific sports, and also selecting future or potential sports talent. And also, they are in charge of organizing school sport competitions, managing school sports teams, or teaching students how to prevent and recover from injuries, and establishing and managing school sports clubs. So these are all the job description for the sport、uh, sport coaches. But I think many people would just raise a question mark when、mm. seeing this piece of news, as I did, because. Why sports coaches when they are PE teachers?、Um, but I think in reality, actually, there's a shortage of PE teachers in China, according to a research by National Institute of Education Sciences. Actually, currently in China, there's a lack of 150,000 PE teachers in primary and middle schools. Especially, we are. Lacking like very professional talents, like、uh, so that's why you know I think the authorities in China are trying to attract professional talents and especially those retired athletes into the sector by promoting the career or the opportunities provided to those people. Yeah, so really, a shortage of PE teachers is a noticeable problem that has been noticed by our education authorities. That's for sure. This is a problem even in you know one of the most developed cities in China, namely Shanghai. Even in Shanghai,、mm. there is perceived to be a twenty percent shortage facing the entire school kids population、mm. in the city. Basically, we are talking about a shortage of two、uh, thousand to three thousand yuan. So that. That's the issue, you know. Generally speaking, our general PE school teachers, they can provide some basic PE education, but in some particular fields, they probably don't seem to have these、uh, expertise. For example, maybe a particular teacher、uh, knows a lot about track and field, but、uh, when when we talk about swimming or soccer or basketball, you name it. Their their knowledge is limited, so I think from this perspective, it is very positive for these、uh, schools and other kind of uh, education uh, institutes to try to incorporate、uh, professional coaches from the society to provide a better and a more quality PE education, some specified PE education to their kids. That's very good. Yeah, I think a positive trend or what. This the positive side brought by this change is that we are seeing more schools are attaching greater importance to the development of、uh, sports education.、Mm-hmm. 
for a very long time, uh, primary school students or senior or junior high school students, they are having a quite boring sports class. And usually the classes are just a format. There are some exercises and they will design some certain sports for you. But I don't know whether um, students are really keen into such activities arranged by the PE teachers. And now we are seeing more professional talents are entering this field than Will this bring a challenge for the job security for these traditional sports teachers? And when we are hiring、uh, the new talents, right, in this regard, maybe they are the retired athletes. The part I'm worried about is like they are superheroes, they are supermans. I think sometimes they have the ability that is beyond the average level. Like, how would you pick up the skills and strategies to teach kids and trying to adjust your Uh, competence and into the level that is approachable to kids. That could be a question. And so, what do you think? Who is qualified to take this post? I mean, do you think some、uh, personal trainers from gyms they are qualified to apply for this job, or are the retired athletes or those people who used to studied in sports specialized schools,、mm. and are they qualified to become the new generation of PE teachers? I think there's a very strict standard in terms of、uh, how schools are choosing、uh, sports coaches,、um, because we actually have seen that some local governments are trying to attract professional、uh, talents, like retired high-level athletes, to、uh, take up the job as a sport coach in the schools. And of course, I think you mentioned a, a really important issue here that has been a major difficulty in the PE faculty in a lot of schools in China. That is the career development and and also the issue of staffing. Because I learned sometimes PE teachers or、uh, teachers who teach like sports they don't really enjoy an equal or as good. Benefits as those normal teachers do in some schools in in some regions. So、uh, experts are are also you know seeing hope from this policy because、uh, it seems that the national authorities are trying to promote、uh, the career development or the job security of PE teachers and also those professional、uh, sports talents. So somehow that could also help to attract more. Professional talents to join the team, and、uh, in the end, to promote the sport education for students. So Ding Hong, how can we better promote PE education in schools in China? Actually, I think、um, you know, involving retired、uh, former athletes are not a bad idea, in that they can really provide some professional training. I mean. Yeah, if we talk about a a, a grassroots、uh, PE teacher providing training to a professional sports team, he or she probably have no idea how to do that. But the other way around, if we talk about a scenario where a a retired top notch coach、uh, teach school kids how to do this particular category of sports, he or she definitely definitely knows the answer. Um, there's no doubt about that. So yeah, it's good. You know, and in the meantime, it also creates a very good job opportunity for these、uh, former athletes for their life after retirement. That's a win-win situation. Okay, that brings us to the end of today's roundtable. Thank you so much for your company. You can find us on Apple Podcast at Roundtable China. Thank you, Li Yi and Ding Hong, for joining the show. See you next time. <laughs>